Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. What a last few days for milestones and point streaks over the last little while siege between uh, Mitch Marner, Jason Robertson keeping it going, Steven Stamkos has hit the 1,000-point plateau. A lot to celebrate over the last few days in the National Hockey League. It really has. And you know what? It's sort of fitting because it reminds me of the way the NHL was when I was a kid. Um, when we, you had a lot of basically Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Brett Hall, um, even Tamo Solani when he entered the league with his crazy rookie season, McGillney. Like, like you had a lot of offensive stars put up sort of video game numbers. And it's only fitting because when you look at it, NHL scoring is actually up over last year to this point. I mean, we really are getting back to an era of of offense that we've only seen a few times in NHL history. It's not quite the eighties yet in terms of goals per game and things like that. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that this is good for hockey. I think it's pretty exciting, especially for, for kids. I'm not saying I'm not excited, but you know, I, I kind of remember that time and how cool it was to see these guys chasing down the records. And, and I got to think if you're a younger fan of the Dallas stars or the Maple Leafs with, with Marner and Robertson, um, that it's pretty cool every game watching them, knowing that they have to get a point. Like you're just watching that game. You're watching that player to see if he does it. And they've both uh, been on quite a run and they, they actually play each other on Tuesday. So the two streaks oh. come together on Tuesday night in Dallas. That's going to be really sick. So for, for those somehow not in the know, Mitch Marner point streak gets extended to 19 games. That sets a franchise record that was once held by Daryl Sittler. And then Jason Robertson's point streak going to 18 games, just further extending the heater that he happens to be on and helping his heart trophy candidacy uh, tenfold as far as I'm concerned. Well, and you know, we, we need perspective here though. Cause it, it like, this is a great moment to highlight. They would each have to go for another two months to threaten the NHL record for Wayne Gretzky at 51. And I know we talked a little bit about Gretzky's point streak in the last show, but like, that's actually important context here. Like not taking anything away from them. Don't be, don't get me wrong. This is, we're getting into pretty elite territory when you look at active players. Um, you haven't seen many recent players get, get anywhere beyond the mid-20s. Uh, so they're, they're sort of creeping up on those kind of marks. And, and obviously, if you're setting a mark for a team as old as the Leafs, uh, as Marner has, you, you, you know, a lot of different players have worn that sweater and not come close to this kind of excellence. But, you know, it also just shows you how much of a mountain remains if they're ever to threat it. I think it'd be cool if one of them could do it or both. I mean, it, it would... I. I'm not sort of cheering for it, but I think it would be really neat if someone got into the 30s or even the 40s, uh, because I think by then you're really creating a, a lot of interest in each game. Forgive me for the podcast crossover for one second, because on the Athletic Hockey Show with Ian Mendez, which I do every Monday, 
I learned something very interesting with Wayne Gretzky statistics with regards to fantasy hockey. And maybe you could tell me if this is true. Apparently, once upon a time, because of how good Wayne Gretzky would be, when it came time for like drafting players with Wayne Gretzky, you would be able to like it wouldn't be fair to just draft Wayne Gretzky the player because he was that much of a cheat code. Like you would have to draft his goals and his assists separately. Have you ever heard of this? Yeah, I wasn't playing fantasy hockey then, but I've heard of that. I've also heard of pools where it was just the whole league minus Wayne Gretzky. Like you just couldn't you couldn't access him. I mean, you look back, like he had a 212 point season, and I don't have that in front of me, but I think he was like 50 or 60 points ahead of the next guy in the league. I mean, there wouldn't be much point in contesting a fantasy hockey league if one player had 60 more points than the next best player. Um, you know, we don't we don't even still have that today. I mean, as great as Connor McDavid is, and he's clearly the best point producer in the game, no question. You know, he's still only got a couple points up on Robertson, and Drysaddle tends to stay pretty close to him. So, you know, you don't see him winning the scoring title by 50. I mean, maybe he'll do it one year. I'm not – I'll be the last one to say he can't do something. But, um, yeah, that was how crazy Gretzky was. And, honestly, Lemieux, I was – when that, everything was sort of polarized. Again, if you grew up as a kid in, like, the 80s, early 90s, you kind of had to be one or the other. And, obviously, mm. neither – I mean, both were Canadian. Um, neither played for teams close to where I lived. So, like, you didn't really – you didn't have to have – like, I had no rooting interest, but I was always a Gretzky guy for whatever reason. Um, but as I've looked back on it and, and thought about it as an adult, like there's, there's a case that Lemieux at his peak was better than Gretzky at his peak, potentially. I mean, his career just has so many, um, difficulties in it, a three-year retirement. He missed time to get radiation treatment when he had cancer, um, you know, he had various back injuries, but he'd come and play half a season and win a scoring title. Like it, like it was kind of a crazy period. Anyway, I mean, I, I think we're. We're in that similar renaissance, honestly. Like, it, it, we might not have the exact same scenario recreated. It's not just about two guys, maybe quite as much. Um, but you know, this is this is a special time, I think, and and I think it's really good for the NHL. I mean, I, I just have to believe that this is this is the best. This is a better sales pitch, in my opinion, for the league than a whole bunch of brawls and things like that. Um, it's not to say that I don't get excited for a goalie fight or something when it happens once a year, but like I just think this is this is a way better way to market the league, and I think it's it's cool for for kids to to see you know the, the offensive stars be the main talking points. Couldn't agree with you more there. I think that funny enough, I had seen on my Instagram there had been like a goalie fight somewhere in the OHL, but like that's not going to get me nearly as hyped as like like a fake Michigan, like what happened in the NCAA uh, in in women's hockey between Penn State and Syracuse which hurt me as a Syracuse person, but also like stuff like that is cool. Right. And like, you know, we talked about Mitch Marner. He was down to two minutes left in the one game and he gets the empty netter. But if you were watching that, it's pretty compelling. And and even when he extended it to 19 in Tampa on Saturday, it was a shorthanded goal, kind of a, a goal out of nowhere that, that Mitch created. I mean, it's, it's, uh, and, and you know, Jason Robertson has been crazy. I mean, he's more than a goal per game during his, his uh, 18 game point streak. So, this is this is this is what the game should be about, and and um, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen next. Like it, not not just with these two players. Like I just it just feels like we're we're not even at the, the limit yet. Like maybe maybe we're going to keep seeing more and more offense. You know, it seems like that's the way that's the way things are trending right now, and and you know it's pretty exciting. Some record, lot lot more records that were never in play are all of a sudden coming back into play again. 
Is there a NHL record through the history books that you are like that you've that you like like if if I were to ask you that question, like you'd be like, yo, this is it. Like I love this stat. Like this is it. This is the record that I really think is cool. And you can't say like, oh, Wayne Gretzky scored the most goals or whatever. Like something cool and unique. I mean, there's a lot we could choose from. It I was also a kid when Gretzky actually was first chasing down Gordie Howe's all-time points record. Mm-hmm. And that that was pretty exciting at the time. Like every game there was anticipation. Gordie Howe was actually traveling from game to game so that he could be there when Gretzky did it. He actually set the record against the Edmonton Oilers because he had moved on to the LA. I believe he did it in Edmonton. Like it was quite poetic the way it all happened. Um, you know, the probably because I've had these point streaks in my head lately. Those are two cool ones. I mean, Gretzky's 51 points in games in a row with a point is nuts. But Lemieux had a year 89-90. I had to look this up. He had 40, he ended up at 46 game point streak. And that happened to coincide with the very first NHL game I attended uh, at Maple Leaf Gardens, obviously just as a kid with my dad. And the Leafs stunk back then. I mean, they they stunk for a long, long time. Um, and and so as a kid, like you just, and you know, the Penguins were on their rise. This was a year before they won their first of the, the back-to-back cups. And Lemieux was just like superhuman. And the Leafs actually, he was into the early 40s in that game. I looked up February 3rd, 1990. And he hadn't, he'd been held off the score sheet for two periods. And I just remember as a kid, I was like, oh my God, like the Leafs could actually be the team that stops him. Like, you know, like the, the crappy Leafs. And then Lemieux scored in the first minute of the third period to keep it going. <laughs> but he still was minus four on the night. I'm looking at the stats. The Leafs won eight to four. And, you know, a pretty memorable night of my childhood. I don't know about you, Julian. I actually, I went to three NHL games as a kid, like before I worked in the business. Um, really? So I could, you know, I didn't, it wasn't an opportunity. I had a lot. Obviously, I was a hockey mad kid. I wanted to do this job. So I could tell you in detail about each of those three games. Like I still remember the details, who scored, what happened. You know, it was pretty, those are pretty big moments in my childhood. And, and one of them coincided with that, that Lemieux streak. And so Lemieux had some crazy stretches. Um, my, my boss, actually, Mike Cormack at, at North Star Bets, he was a big Lemieux guy as a kid. And he told me this one. He said, when Mario came back from, from radiation treatment, um, you know, which is pretty crazy when you think about it, he had a 16-game point streak that, that started. He had 27 goals and 51 points in 16 games after receiving treatment for cancer. So um, that's, that's what I mean. Like, those guys were were crazy. And so some of those streaks, you know, anything that blends with your childhood, I think it, it's – so I'm not just saying this is the most impressive thing ever, but it's just like it kind of – it has a certain touch point for you. And so I think of that stuff. And that's why I'm hoping, honestly, that these streaks keep going or someone else puts one together. Um, Cause I know Kirill Kaprizov is not too far behind. He's got the longest stretch, I think now in Minnesota wild history going, it'd be cool if somebody could get into the thirties or forties. I think, I think every game then would become this event that everyone's focused on. Absolutely, man. Uh, wow. Well said. Also the fact that you've only been to that you had gone to three games before you were working in in the industry i used to feel weird at the fact that like i think i had only gone to maybe two before i started working and it only had been in the last like few years like i don't have anywhere like i went as like a little like eight or nine year old kid like that's really interesting yeah i mean tickets were expensive for leaf games you know i probably forever but definitely in the early 90s when i was a kid and and still to this day and 
you know, I didn't come from a family that had a ton of disposable income for stuff like that. And it just, there also wasn't opportunities. Like you, you almost didn't know how to get tickets. We weren't going to go down and probably buy off a scalper in front of the building. It was, this is, this is pre StubHub days for those that are a little younger that might be watching or listening. Um, so yeah, it was, it was hard, but you know, I, I remember every game. Like that's, that's actually the cool part. Uh, and obviously I've been very, 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 very fortunate because I've been to more than a thousand since then, I would think. Uh, last thing before we do sports interaction, because I did mention Steven Stamkos and the fact that he reached the 1000 point mark. Uh, any thoughts on on him and and obviously his career and the fact that uh, the future Hall of Famer that he is was able to reach that mark? Well, this is how I view it, right? If you went back 15 years to when he was the big prospect and you said he's going to have a thousand point career, everyone would be like, of course. But if you actually have followed him throughout the 15 years as I have in a professional capacity, like I think of all the struggles he's had and all the times he wasn't able to play, um, you know, whether it was breaking his leg and, and missing the, the, the 2014 Olympics. I covered the 2016 playoffs where he, he was dealing with blood clot issues. He couldn't play at all. He came back for game seven of the Eastern Conference final in Pittsburgh and, and his team lost that night. So he came back to try to have a chance to go to the Stanley Cup. And then, of course, the 2020 bubble. Uh, when he was only able to play five shifts the entire playoffs, but he scored a goal in the cup final on one of them. Pretty legendary stuff. And so it's pretty cool to see him on this side of it for me, Julian. You know, he had his first ever 100-point season last year. Uh, he's scoring at a similar rate right now. He's in the top 20 in league scoring as, as we're talking now. And so the fact he's still such a relevant player and putting up big numbers and reaching these milestones is great because there was definitely a period earlier in his career where it just looked like he might be too injured or too – have too many problems that he could never get to these marks. But now, now I'm almost thinking like, how high can he go? I mean, I, I mean, we, we know aging curves are what they are, but he's 32. I mean, Joe Pavelski's still pretty productive at 38, 39 in the league. So maybe, maybe Steven Stamkos has got another window here where he's going to chase down 12 or 13 or 1400 points. I mean, um, you know, it's been, been a great career and, and, you know, just a reminder, it's not a straight line for anybody, even the best of the best, the number one overall pick who's, kind of getting where you thought he would get he, he dealt with a lot of crap in between there and now and, and he's really had to persevere to, to hit these marks well said and congratulations to steven stamkos on reaching 1000 nhl points uh, we're going to do our you can bet that segment for sports interaction as always it's uh, for those 19 and over we ask that you play responsibly and there will be a link to responsible gaming strategies in the description of the show it's time for you can bet that Vancouver Canucks are the next team I want to discuss, CJ, because pretty much since training camp, something comes up with this team off the ice, on the ice. And the latest story that, uh, or I guess there's kind of two things that have kind of come out from this past weekend, and they both surround Brock Besser. Brock Besser, uh, a guy in the first year of a three-year deal uh, with an AAV, 6.65 mil, uh, it looks as if he's going to be a healthy scratch on Saturday at the very last second gets plugged into the game. It just so happens that it's hockey fights cancer night uh, in, in his personal life. Uh, he lost his father to that horrible disease. It's a game that meant a lot to him, and he almost was not going to play that game. Uh, so it looked as and as Bruce Boudreaux, his head coach, had said it looked as if he was playing mad. It also just so happens uh, that uh Brock Besser, according to uh, Elliot Friedman, would be available for trade. That's also announced the same night. 
What do you make of the Brock Besser affair, the latest story surrounding the wildest soap opera going right now, the Vancouver Canucks? Yeah, there's a couple things. I mean, it's funny. You focus on any one team, like hyper-focus on them. Throughout a year, there's going to be ups and downs, right? I mean, even the teams that finish at the top of the standings, there'll, there'll be periods of indifferent play or injuries or something that makes you just doubt where they're headed. Where I'm looking for in Vancouver, there's been no up, right? Like, it's it's it feels like it's been down right out of the gate. They had that long road trip and losing streak right from the beginning, blowing the multi-goal leads, you know, all the drama uh, with Bruce Boudreaux and Jim Rutherford and, you know, some public comments. I know they've won games in, in the meantime, but, you know, they're, they're still endured a couple difficult losses here. And now this, so it's, it's been a, it's been a ride and it's been several years of this, quite frankly, if we're, if we zoom out a little bit more than just this season. Uh, and I think that where that context is important is that it leads you to a moment like this, where you have a player like Brock Besser, who's 25 years old, whose development or, or production seems to have stagnated. And there's just a lot of built up frustration there. And you know, I think where we're at, and it's a it's a great scoop from Elliot Friedman uh, of Hockey Night in Canada, um, is that both the Canucks and Brock Besser and his agents all agree that it's probably best for there to be a fresh start here. And, you know, we'll see how that materializes. You know, his his agent does have the ability to, to speak to other teams, which is a, you know, a, a tactic or a, a strategy that that sometimes GMs will deploy in this circumstance because, you know, it might help them find the right fit. And then maybe the, the the teams can swoop in and figure out what, you know, how to make the trade work after that point in time. But, you know, it does seem as though his, his, his time is limited. And I think that there's an understanding too, though, he's still a pretty young player. Right. And, you know, I think the Canucks understand he'll probably move on and score a bunch of goals for someone else in a better situation, but it's just not a very good situation for a lot of reasons right now in Vancouver. And, you know, I, I think management there has been looking to make some changes since they got there and had some trouble doing so. And, you know, perhaps this will be the first shoe to drop. I, I would certainly not expect it to be the last from what we might call established pieces that have been part of this franchise for some time. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how long it's going to take for that trade to come together. Um, because as we know, we haven't seen too many impactful trades and we're talking, you know, pretty big cap hit here. Um, changing hands, but you know, the beauty of it for anyone who steps up and makes that deal is that you're not trading for a rental player. This isn't, this isn't a typical kind of deal. This is a unique opportunity because the Canucks haven't won enough and, and, you know, Brock Besser hasn't had enough success for them to keep their, their marriage going long-term. Yeah. Like this is a guy who could fit on so many other teams, top six, like you just have to find a way to make the money work. You maybe you ask the Canucks for salary retention because, like, I understand teams at uh, looking at a six point six five mil salary, you're going to have to ask some questions. But uh, just the fact that they're at this point with Brock Besser is just, I mean, I don't know. It just seems very. If I was a Canucks fan, I'd just be super frustrated. Right, and look, when you get to this stage, like a lot of things have gone wrong. Um, there's probably a little bit of blame on both sides for things that have happened. I mean, this is just it's just a fact of. The circumstances, but I mean, ultimately, this this is this is the outcome when you have an organization that hasn't been run well, I think, um, because it's not like this is just one player, one specific set of circumstances. I mean, the Canucks have, you know, it's it's been a tire fire, and going back years. Again, I'm not talking just this last, the, just this first two months of this season. I think that this is there's there's sort of been a, a repetitive dive bomb towards chaos there. Um, 
for the Canucks. And I, I think that's why so many fans, you know, I hate to beat a dead horse here, but like they, they want the rebuild. They want, they want a scorched earth kind of approach because it almost feels like you have to burn everything down and start fresh. And, you know, I'm not sure they're going to do that. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. And, and that team just doesn't want enough games and, and, you know, Brock Besser, it's not that long ago. He was supposed to be part of the next wave. Right. And, and really was treated as part of the next wave signed to, to, to decent deals. I know there was, you know, a little bit of negotiations that had to go on there, but um, you know, he's, he's also had some injury trouble and things that have limited his ability to produce uh, to score as much as he did earlier in his career. And, and, you know, they just haven't advanced as a program. And so you're, you got two people looking at each other going like, I don't, I don't see the way forward here. And, and the way forward, quite honestly, is probably going to be with Brock Besser playing in another team sweater. So we've talked a little bit about the fact that he's available for trade. What do you think about the fact that the Canucks were going to scratch Brock Besser on a night that obviously holds personal sentiment to it? Did, I mean, did they, did the coaching staff even know about hockey fights cancer night or that's a good question. I don't know how clear that is that if they knew or not, I, I just kind of assume that like it's written up on a calendar and, and teams kind of know, but that is also a fair question. This too. I'm, I can't answer that question. If they knew my, my best impression is that if they knew that they wouldn't have scratched them that night. Um, like I don't like that to me, the two things are unrelated in a sense, but, but, I think if anyone had a, you know, like when, when you're in the the heat with a team, like you don't even know what day it is, right? Like it's just like, is it a game day or a practice day or a travel day or whatever? Like um, this is not to make excuses for anyone, but I think the fact of the matter is you don't see the big picture too often when you're, especially when you're a coach or a player and you're, you're in the battle every day. And so my best guess is that that just was someone not putting two and two together. But I, I, I would like to think that had they realized that they'd be like, okay, let's this, this probably isn't the night to make the point to the player that he's got to play better. Very well said there, by the way, we went through all the Brock Besser stuff. I didn't even mention anything about Thatcher Demko being out for the next six weeks with a lower body injury. What the hell are the cooks going to do there? I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, look, look, it's there. I don't think they're making the playoffs. So you know, it's not mathematically impossible. There is lots of runway left, but I, you know, I think we're starting like Thatcher Demko just didn't play very well this year. Uh, he's, he said that himself. I, I think he had seen some uptick in performance after a tough start. Um, that's, you know, that's part of the problems is, is I think he papered over some of their issues last season when he, when he was quite good. Um, it's just another blow, but I, I don't know that it's a case where they have to make some move to, to be better in the short term. I, you know, I think, whether they probably haven't got there entirely internally yet, but you know, at some point the, the white flag is going to have to go up on the season. You know, we'll deal with the Bo Horvat situation at that time, I would think, um, because he's a pending unrestricted free agent. I, I know that there's still some desire to try to sign him versus trading him, but you know, that'll, that'll play itself out here in the next two months as we get closer to the trade deadline. And, and um, you know, I, I just don't know that this team has enough right now to keep winning with the blue line, in the nature it is, you know, being down at, you know, pretty good goaltender who hadn't played that well this year. And then, um, you know, some of the other drama around a team, it's just not, I don't see the circumstances there for them to, to 
magically rally it together and and win a bunch of games and and make the the rest of the season interesting. But stranger things have happened. Remember, it was around this time last year. I think it might have been almost this exact day that they they fired Travis Green and Jim Benning and, and brought in Bruce Bruce Boudreau and Bruce there it is was born and they had a pretty good run and they did get within breathing distance of the playoffs. So I mean, it's not totally lost, but it, it's just hard to hard to search for where do you find hope here and and. I don't, I don't see them going to make a big trade for a goalie or something like that. I, I just think they're going to have to try to weather the storm with Spencer Martin and and get through with, with what they've got. Shout out to uh, everyone who uh, hosts uh, Game Over Vancouver. Tough season for y'all, friends. Tough season for y'all. Um, Sometimes when there's chaos, yeah. though, those shows. Oh, like, yeah. Like, it can be hard covering, like, a team that's predictably good or predict, like, Chaos can be good for business, let's be honest. That's true. And if there's one market that does thrive off that, the Vancouver Canucks definitely take advantage of that. I do want to stick with goalies for a second because I want to go from Vancouver to St. Louis. And frankly, this guy we're about to talk about, uh, I know uh, you try to avoid the cross-checks portion of the stick taps and cross-checks. Sorry, I'm just going to say, this dude deserves a lot of these cross-checks that we would give out on the show. Uh, Jordan Biddington. Uh, the latest edition of him throwing a tantrum after not having a good game uh, happened a couple nights ago against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, he trips up Jason Zucker, uh, gets pulled, obviously, tries to do the tough guy thing. And unless it has happened before, uh, it's the first time I've heard Craig Berube go out of his way to be like, you know, dude, enough is enough. The quote that has gone around on social media has got to stop. It doesn't help anything. Just play goal. Stop the puck. What did you think about that? Well, I'm not sure Jordan Bennington can help himself, right? I mean, there's 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 a pretty well-established pattern of behavior here, uh, which it's not like I think we could all understand in a given moment someone might act a little out of character and be frustrated or angry about something and lose their minds and and you you view it as such. Um yeah, I'll take for example last season when when Austin Matthews cross-checked Rasmus Dahlin up near the neck area was trying to get a shoulder pad, got a two-game suspension. If you look at his career, six seven years in the league, he'd been he'd taken like forty penalties. Like it's, it was just it was a moment where he lost his cool, but it's not like this is his rep. Jordan Bennington's got a reputation, and it's well earned now. And you know, I, I would say that his coach is probably. You know, he's doing him a favor. I mean, I guess you'd like to handle this stuff behind the scenes. I'm sure they've tried to do that before now. And and this is the tact because at some point this, you know, you're going to have other players going out of their way, perhaps to go, go after him. I mean, it, it becomes a little bit of a distraction. And so, you know, stay tuned. Uh, but it's it's really weird. I can't think of many times over the years, like a goalie is one of the more kind of like agitator slash like the guy you hate on the other team players in the league. Right. Um, usually doesn't, usually doesn't work that way. Right. It's someone like Brad Marchand over the years or, you know, Darcy Tucker back in the day, you know, some, some of these players, Chris Neal, what have you like that played a certain way that it always frustrated you if, if they were an opponent of your team. Um, can't think of a goalie that was like that. Maybe Ron Hextall might be the closest. Uh, it was pretty, pretty wild with his stick it, it back in the, in the, the before times when I was a young kid, but um, I, I can't think of anyone like this. So, I mean, I, it's, I find it kind of compelling 
And I do think it's going to hit a boil here. It's you're getting there where other players are saying stuff. His own coach is saying it, you know, someone might take matters into their own hands. I mean, dude threw a water ball at Nazem Kadri in the playoffs. Like I remember the game. That was nuts. Well, think of all the times he's been like leaving the ice and like chirping the other team. And I, again, like he's like a heel, like he's like a heel in wrestling or something. He, he is. He, he's uh, like, personally, it doesn't get me, my blood boiling, but um, I can understand why if you got to go up against them and you take, you know, the play like Zucker, like that's just sneaky, dirty. I, I, I would understand why he'd be upset about that and, and his teammates. And so, as I say, I just think if he doesn't stop, then then someone's, you know, going to go after him. Um, the in terms of goalies with temper tantrums, there's two that immediately popped into my head. Um, Ray Emery, uh, when he was with the Ottawa Senators, I mean, he got himself into some. Into Ray some was fights. legit tough though. He was legit tough, absolutely. Ray was like no, a tough guy who wore goalie gear. Yeah, like dude was scrapping with Martin Biron and, and Andrew Peters in that one game. That's like a, that's like a moment that stays in my mind forever. Right, but like you could actually trust Ray to fight. Like I think sometimes there's a thought that it, you know, like I'm not, I don't know if Jordan Biddington's tough, but you know he's not a big guy really by by professional athlete standards, and he's got a blocker and a, like he's he's got some pretty he- you know those sticks are heavy if you want to hit someone with a stick. Um, he's got more weapons at his disposal. Than a, than a skater does. The other goalie I was thinking of, it's one incident where Atuka Rask was was a goalie in Providence. Oh yeah, and I think he allowed like two shootout goals, and he was just whacking the net with a stick. And at one point, he's leaving into he's heading into the tunnel, and he chucks a milk crate from the tunnel. Like that is insane that he would do such a thing. Okay, but that's Tuca being mad at himself. Like I don't, I don't recall too many times he was taking that out on opponents. That is uh, true. But yeah, like young Tuca Rask could be quite hot headed, um, but he held himself to a high standard. He ended up having a great career. I mean, that's you don't want him doing what he did in Providence. It's a pretty famous clip or infamous clip, but um, that's at least someone demanding more of themselves rather than going out there looking to to. I don't know. If, we can say Bennington's trying to injure opponents, but definitely looking to get under their skin. And you know, the, the problem is you can't really touch a goalie in the, in the, you can't hit a goalie legally. Right. Um, so the, there's not a lot of recourse for these players that, that isn't going to involve them getting a, a penalty that hurts their team. Yeah. Uh, Whereas you can so, hit a defenseman legally, right? If he has the pocket yeah, you and, you, and you have a beef, you can, you can settle it in a way that's within the rules of the game. That doesn't you know hurt your team. You could do like what Darcy Kemper did over the weekend and slash Tyler Toffoli in the back, or at least in the back of his legs, I think. But that's his after he took an elbow to the head. I'm not sure how if he's going to be out longer, but he was in concussion protocol after that. But uh, goalies find their ways to exact revenge, is what <laughs> I'm trying to say. And maybe the best revenge is putting five goals behind Bennington. But yeah, that's that's probably it's it. It's less fun, forward. less fun for the the memes and stuff, but probably probably better. You know, that's what the game's about. Making him lose is going to frustrate him even more. Shout out CJ. I feel like this, like this petty side just coming out of you with that one. That's You got a petty side to you, sir. <laughs> I mean, I've been watching Frontier Justice and NHL games for a long time, man. <laughs> Frontier Justice. <laughs> I've had time very- to think about. I've had time to think about this in various circumstances. 
Oh man, this, this just sounds evil. <laughs> All right. Um, so there's two other stories I want to get to before I ask CJ. Since we talked about goalies, I'll just bring up I'll bring up uh Jacob Markstrom here and I'll ask my questions about Alex Forbinson after that, just because we've been talking about goalies. Um, did you catch Jacob Markstrom, Calgary Flames goaltender, uh telling the media that he sucks not once but twice? I did see that. I like it. You I mean, like it? Yes, because it's it's a moment of honesty, right? And that's him taking ownership. And so you you could look at it like you don't want an athlete to to give away that that part of himself. Like you never want to show someone that you're struggling or that you're dealing with maybe some uncertainty in your your game or your play. But I mean, in the context of a team sport, that's him taking responsibility for some of what's happened in Calgary. And, you know, it's it's deflecting away from his teammates any criticism or questioning they might get. And I'm guessing at this stage of his career, I mean, Jacob Markstrom's had a long career. He's had a lot of success in the NHL. He's confident he's going to get out of it. And so I, I see that as in a, in a, I'm sure you were there, so you can probably read into the feeling like maybe it was just an emotional thing. It wasn't something he thought through ahead of time and he just was being blatantly honest. Um, but I, I actually think it can be a good thing for him because, you know, now he's got to go not suck. And, and, and you know, he's taking ownership. Like that's such a big thing in hockey. It's like the thing if you haven't, and I'm not like being like, well, you didn't play the game, but like if you haven't played or like really thought about it, like the team aspect of the sport is so important. And when a team is struggling, it's it's easy for like a lot of individuals might get blamed for mistakes in the game or not producing enough offense or you know various things. The coach gets questioned about his lineup decisions or his you know his pairings, all this stuff. But you know, I think when you have someone take ownership like that, it's that's a leadership move. So I I actually like it. You you tell me, do you think it was thought out ahead of time or was that him just frustrated in the in the heat after a loss? I thought it was just him being frustrated. Um and I know there are some people who look at that game and they were like, you know, oh, it's only he only allowed two goals. I don't know why people are making such a big deal. I mean, the offense sputtered too. They should get more of the blame. Jacob Markstrom straight up told us that he sucked. Like I asked him, like, I don't, I don't know if you saw that game, but like 13 seconds in, Sean Monahan, uh, it happened to be the game gets much trucking in. Sean Monahan gets a break. And yes, the defense was a bit at fault, but he gets this break. And Jacob Markstrom is like sliding out of his net trying to stop that puck and fails to do so. And Uri Slavkovsky scores. That's like 13 seconds into a game where you know your team has had moments where, you know, they're starting on the back nine. Like you you know you can't do that or you if you're going to do it, you have to make that stop. Like it, it's a pretty weird move that he did. I, I still don't get why he would think of that strategy. But like between that. And he he kind of started a little mini thing with with Josh Anderson that led to a penalty that led to the power play goal scored. And then he told us that he sucked. Like, I don't know what you want us to do. Like, people were going to be like, well, we shouldn't make a big deal about Jacob Barkstrom. He told us that he sucked. Like, I think that's a bit and maybe it's because and I don't know. I kind of took it as like a little bit of a weird. That's a weird thing to say. I think it's I understand the honesty. But when you know that the last few games he's played have not necessarily seen him at his absolute best, and then he's just straight up like, I just suck right now. I just suck at hockey right now. As honest as that is, I don't know if I was in charge of a team, if I want my goalie being like, man, I suck right now. Like, there's some honesty, but also like, 
you want to make sure that it's not completely affecting your confidence. Right. But there's a chance now for everyone to rally around him and pick him up and play better defensively and give him a chance. Sure. Not to like I, I, I see it as an opportunity. Like you're getting, I get it. He's getting to like a, a, some sort of breaking point in his mind. Like where he's just, he's really frustrated obviously to make that comment. And he probably felt like he sucked. Like, like that's, that's just the truth. I doubt he said Absolutely. that not, not thinking that he hasn't sucked. So, I mean, I, I have no problem with it. Again, if this was like a rookie or something, I, I would view it differently. I, I actually see an older player who makes a decent salary. He's an important part of the team. I see him taking some ownership here and giving everyone a chance to rally around him. And, and we'll see how he goes. I, if anyone tried to criticize you guys for making an, a deal out of that, like, come so on. Not it's, not like, it's not like a big like criticism thing. And I'm only really going off the story I wrote for The Athletic on it, where I I think that the way that went down and considering what has gone on over the last few games, like I feel like the Flames are in a position where they kind of have to save his confidence. Like I, I didn't want to go out there and be like, Jacob Markstrom sucks and he's been a crappy goalie and just dump on him. I don't think that's necessarily a fair thing. We don't necessarily know what goes on in a person's life, but also like, I don't know. Like, I felt like I you have to be critical in that moment in some way. And I think the flames in that moment, like that felt like to me as someone who's watching all these games, like that's a moment where it's like, okay, through the team, you have to figure out a way to lift his confidence. And to your point, like, yeah, like if you're a player on that team and you hear that you're thinking, all right, man, like next game we play for Jacob Markstrom, let's lift up his spirits. Let's do everything we can to get some goals in Elias Lindholm. Not long after that, like we, we were asking him questions about that. And he's like, I didn't think he sucked. Like, I think we need to be better offensively so definitely the players recognize that fact right like it's just I, I think it's like like for something like that for me I was just like not nah, like you have to I don't know that that's a bit weird for me and he doesn't have to lie to people there are other ways to say that like you know you didn't play well and all that but when you go out saying that you suck and you say that you suck twice I just suck at hockey like the second time he said that he sucked at hockey we asked him what happened on this exchange with Josh Anderson where he clips him and then Josh Anderson rolls around and then goes in front of him and acts like a tough guy and thinks he's going to cross check him. And then like he's up in Jacob Markstrom's grill, which then leads to Andrew Mangiapane like mauling him. And then he takes that penalty, which eventually leads to the go ahead goal that we asked, like what happened on that exchange? And he was just like, nothing really. I just suck at hockey right now. And maybe that's deflecting, but also like that's an interesting way to deflect. <laughs> I like it. I mean, we can we can agree to disagree on this one. I, I think it's that's fine. I'm willing to bet. Honestly, I'm willing to bet that he plays better after that. Like, I think that that's it's just a low moment for an athlete who thinks. You know, like he has a high expectation for himself. Like I when when you get to the point where you're saying that you're obviously frustrated, a lot of stuff is built up. It hasn't gone the way anyone wants it to go for the first quarter of the season in Calgary. I think that that's pretty clear and he's got to be part of the solution. I mean, he didn't have he, he kind of sucked in the second round against Edmonton last year too, right? So, oh, yeah. I mean, um, you know, and and at least Dan Vladar is there. Like they, they have another player that can play games. Like it doesn't all have to be on Markstrom's shoulders. But I I I don't I don't mind it. Again, he's a veteran. If it was a rookie, I'd do it totally different. But he's someone he's he understands. He knows what's going on, and he, and he can. I think he has the ability to make everybody know he doesn't suck uh, in these future games. That is true. Also, I like these discussions where we could just like we don't necessarily agree. Like I, I, I like we're not doing it maliciously. Like this is this is a really interesting discussion and a good perspective. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't look. You're you're close to the team. I'm I'm viewing it from afar. So there's there's that element of it as well. But um, yeah, I 
look, it's we, we need more honesty, man. Like that's if you're there, if we're going to go to the games and ask questions and watch, I mean, it's nice if people just tell us what they think. And that's that's clearly what Jacob Markstrom thinks of himself, at least as of you know last week. How do you how would you feel if after a show recording, like we get to the end and it's like, hey, guys, thank you all so much for for listening to this edition of the CJ show, man. I got to say, man, I suck today. Well, there's probably some days over 100 plus shows that I have sucked. So let's there's some days I know like I could point to a few days in the last little while where I could straight up to say like, man, I sucked. This is what I mean. Like, why would we pretend otherwise? Like everybody, if you if you like not not everybody's great every day. I mean, you, you want your intentions to be good. You want your process to be good. But sometimes the outcomes aren't great. I've written a lot of stories I never want to read again. Put it that way. So, <laughs> Been not, there. Yeah, you know, just because like if you know you write as much or as often as I've written over a long period of time, it just some days you don't have clarity of thought or you're rushed or whatever it is. It's just um, you know, you gotta everyone's gotta grind through their life. Jacob Markstrom is in it right now. He's gotta grind through and find a way to to get back to being the guy that was, you know, worth worth the money and the contract and the free agent pursuit that he had a couple seasons ago. All right, CJ, next time we do a show, and I know for sure I suck. I will just straight up say at the end, man, I suck. Or maybe one, maybe one week I'll just give you my cross check on a Thursday and be like, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is for Julian, man. He, man, he sucked. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so we've gone through all the goalie stuff. There is uh, just a bit of a, like a little slightly, maybe not a serious, but just very interesting note uh, that I do want to get to before we get to ask CJ. Uh, Alex Formanton uh, of the Ottawa Senators uh, the deadline for him to sign a contract so he could be eligible to play at all this year has long passed. Uh, the Ottawa Senators, uh, those two sides have not come together on any type of agreement. But what do you see there in that situation? Well, I understand why everyone's making links. You know, I think that the links are fair. Alex Formanton played on the 2018 Canadian World Junior Team, the 2018 Canadian World Junior Team. Uh, is alleged to have um, at least some members of that team are alleged to have been part of a sort of sexual assault in, in London, Ontario, after Hockey Canada banquet. You have the unusual case of a restricted free agent uh, getting past the December 1st deadline without a contract. You know, there's a lot of links being made there, and, and I I can understand why the public wants to do that. All I can tell you is I can't make that, that link directly. Um, no one directly involved with it is confirmed or said that um it's you know it's a, it's an unusual situation but all i'll say is everyone's underground i mean there's there's no explanation being offered publicly or privately for why this situation got to this point um i suspect over time there's going to be more discussion about it and we might get more clarity into how we got to this stage but you know what you have here is a player who's 23 years old scored 18 goals in the league last year and now is ineligible to play in the NHL for the rest of the season. So, you know, I would suspect Alex Formington will look for work in Europe, uh, play the year there, and and then we'll see how things go. You know, we do know the Senators did have some trade talks with teams uh, before the deadline that passed December 1st to maybe try to deal his rights somewhere, and maybe those teams would sign him. I would suspect that's probably where this is headed. You know, I, it'd be hard for me to imagine a scenario where Alex Formington plays for the Senators again uh, after having to sit out a whole year of, of NHL hockey. Um, but you know, the truth is, is I, I don't know exactly what went on and, 
if no one's telling you, it's it's kind of irresponsible of someone in my spot to to make giant public guesses um, because obviously this is a highly serious topic um, when it comes to what's going on with that World Junior team. And you know, I know to a certain degree, a lot of players have been implicated in it just by who has apologized and who hasn't, or who has said they weren't part of it. Um, but you know, I think we're we're pretty close to some clarity coming there. It sounds like the league is mostly wrapped up its investigation. Uh, we'll see where the London Police land on on the investigation they re- they reopened on the situation um but i do think that we'll we'll get some degree of clarity that maybe we'll make not just whatever happened with alex formanton but you know i think it, it will it will be positive for everyone because almost everyone is guilty by association until there's more clarity on what what happened there yep and uh just as we've tried to do uh throughout our time with that story we are going to do everything we can to discuss it in full detail when all of those details are out. Uh, but I'm glad that we were able to kind of just mention that note with Alex Formanton uh, and some of the other stuff we were able to discuss uh, ahead of a segment that we normally do on a Monday, Ask CJ. Uh, we take in questions from uh, viewers like you uh, and listeners, because we know there are people who consume the podcast in different ways. Uh, and uh, we go through some of those questions and uh, we see how CJ answers them. CJ, are you ready for another edition of Ask CJ? Born ready. We still don't have a jingle for this segment. We probably never <laughs> will, but I guess that's okay. Let's take this question from Amelia Pond. I recently learned I recently learned that if you throw your hat onto the ice in Columbus, there is a grace period where they will give you your hat back. Do other teams do this as well? I have to confess, I saw that question, and it's the first I've heard of that. I didn't even realize that was the policy in Columbus. Uh, and I I don't know of any other team that does it. Um, you know, fill my mentions if I'm missing one, but I'm, I'm pretty sure in general, um, after a hat trick goal or, you know, any number of 100 hats are thrown on the ice, that typically those are donated to sort of a charity or, or something like that. Um it's hard to reunite people with their hats, especially late at night. Uh, but, you know, good for the Blue Jackets for doing that. I guess they're encouraging their fans to celebrate the times someone gets a hat trick. Um, but I, I've never heard of that before anywhere else. Yeah, me neither. I, I always felt like I I mean, now that I know they get Derek, I mean, I didn't know they would end up that I, the charity aspect of this. I did not know that was the case. I used to just assume like teams would just kind of keep the hats. But like I the idea of me throwing my hat on the ice for 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 a hat trick, like I like my hats too much, so I just would never do it. I mean, there's historical precedent, though. That's true. Do you know where it comes from? Um, I forget the story. Tell it. Back in the day, whenever a player would score three goals, there was a company that would offer them a free hat if you scored three goals, so they would be given a hat as a gift or whatever to commemorate the achievement. And then it's evolved into what it is today. Okay. So like they just throw the hats because they knew they were getting the hat. Oh. I mean, I'm not sure how it went from that gift. That's how it got called a hat trick. I mean, I don't look at it, it's evolved over time, but um, still not that many hat tricks. I mean, we're seeing more goals, but like you'd That's have true. to, I'm just saying it. I went to three games as a kid. There was no hat tricks in any of those games. Like you, yeah, you'd have neither, to go to a lot of games to be there for a hat trick or just get lucky. Yeah, neither of the games I went to before I started covering hockey 
were there any hat tricks in mind either. I'd have to go back on the box scores for my games. But anyway, uh, this next one from Jonah. If the Dallas Stars win the Central Division and Jason Robertson finishes with over 55 goals, is that enough for him to win the Hart Trophy? Or would Connor McDavid still be your pick? <laughs> this is a massive hypothetical. Massive. I mean, look at if if I had to make a finalist right now, a top three, Jason Robertson's in it. And so that tells you all you need to know. Like he's very much in the conversation, the consideration for a hard trophy. It's just, you know, so much can happen in the next number of games. I, I think if he wins, I mean, look at Austin Matthews won the Rocket Richard Award last year. Didn't win the points title, but but had over 100 points. But Connor McDavid had more points than him. And Austin Matthews still won the Hart Trophy. I think that that's all you need to know is that if the stars have success, if if Jason Robertson had, you know, continues on the kind of pace he's on or, or you know, gets to some significant milestones and stays within a certain range of points, uh, he's he's going to get consideration. But uh, he's going up against a generational player, too, for that award. And. So I'll just have to see where we land come April. I mean, I, I don't I don't make my votes, fortunately, on December 5th or even March 5th. Um, you know, we get to mid-April to see how the season plays out. But I think he's very much in that mix to to at least challenge for the award, which in itself, you know, is a surprise to most around hockey or many. Um, you you're high up at the the PWHA, right? You you're still like PHWA. a VP PHWA, sorry. Yeah, I'm part uh, of the executive. I'm a vice president. As someone who 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 just received their 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 membership card for the very first time a couple of days ago, that that means I get to vote right on the awards. Like like, do is there? I just want to double check, but that's cool, right? I'm good. I'm good. I, I can't. I I don't I don't actually choose that, so I don't know. <laughs> choose I, I mean, that? I, what do you mean choose that? Well, because it's done carefully. There there's, um, because we were always sensitive to this East Coast bias thing. So there's a certain number of voters in each city. So like, like certainly the writers in Montreal and Toronto, like places that's a big PHWA market, they don't all get to vote every year, not because we don't think that they're capable voters, but we try to balance the representation from, from voters, you know, based around the various cities in the league. So there's a formula that's enacted that's, that's taken very, very seriously. Uh, I'm not part of that, those choices. And I certainly wouldn't, no offense. I'm not going to pull any strings for you, but at your your work more than makes you capable as a voter, and I'm sure you'll get there. But I, I just, I can't say for sure today. CJ, you have pulled, you have pulled enough strings for me. I'm okay if you don't have to pull any for these. Well, ones. but I also don't have to. Like you're, you're working daily on a beat. Um, again, we need, we tend to need, we have more Eastern-based writers. You're a Western-based writer now, so I'd say your chances are good. But um, I can't tell you for sure you'll be voting. Well. Uh, everyone listening and watching, just another edition of us going behind the curtain, seeing how the sausage gets made with the <laughs> PHWA. Can you tell that I'm uh, I'm I'm happy that I got my card the other day? Anyway, it's not about me. Uh, it's about ask CJ. Uh, this next question from Chad Head, big fan of the beard. What's your routine for trimming and styling? Uh, it's pretty low maintenance. I use beard oil every day after having a shower just to keep the nice moisture, not get too dry under there. And then I leave the trimming and styling to my man safe at rendezvous barbers in downtown Toronto. Um, would highly recommend if anyone's in the area and looking for, you know, fades or beard work or anything, uh, they do a great job and that's not an ad just, just, uh, 
longtime customer of safe and he's an awesome guy big soccer fan doesn't know too much about hockey but uh great fellow uh let everybody know what the beard oil you use is uh i'm not loyal to one brand so oh okay all right i've, I've tried i've actually tried north standard uh, who makes the bear hats i've used their beard oil i've used a few others um so yeah i i, I like trying different ones uh if you are uh if you own a beard oil company uh hit us up maybe we could work out some kind of sponsorship i don't know we we both happen to have facial hair we both happen to use beard oil i don't think it's out of the question to solicit to solicit beard oil sponsorship no whatever next question from uh oh go ahead as you say we're, we're also a customer not only are we a customer we're even a client or whatever that hair anyway yes Anyway, yeah, exactly. Uh, Jack Richardson on Twitter. Uh, Alex to break it in Ottawa. General thoughts about how either side is feeling about an extension. I don't have a good sense of that yet. Like, it probably hasn't gone quite as well as everyone would have hoped. But, you know, the Senators are an interesting team. Like, they're, they haven't won enough games. But if you look at their their goal differential, like, they're, I don't know. Like, I could see them getting hot enough to climb back in the race a little bit. Like there's still room for it to improve, I guess. So I don't know any specifics on extension talks, probably not the best time right now with everything the team's going through. Um, but we'll, we'll revisit that as we get deeper into the season. Next one from Florida man, Matt Maroon, which trio would you rather have in your opening lineup for the playoffs? Marshawn Bergeron, Pasternak, Stamkos, Point Kucherov, or Tavares, Matthews, and Marner? Man, well, that's that's tricky because those aren't all lines, right? Well, yeah, I think Stamkos like the point Bruins Kucherov, line. That's not a, like Stamkos point Kucherov's not technically a line, right? And neither is the Leafs trio, whereas the Bruins guys at times have been a line, and probably the best consistent line over the last six, seven, eight years of in the NHL. Oh, I'll take the Bruins guys right now. They're 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 pretty darn good, and and the team's humming. But that's there's a no win question there, like there's no wrong answer. Um, but I'll I'll take the the Bruins players. I think they 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 have they do have something special as a line. Like that that's the, they've been called the perfection line by some. So that is true. Uh, from Y guy on Discord, who has better hands, Connor McDavid or or uh, Trevor Zegers? Trevor Zegers probably. I mean, I still think. That's not to like knock at McDavid, but it, like his, it's pretty clear that his awareness and his speed are like his two real differentiating um, abilities or capabilities. Uh, I guess we how you define hands. I mean, I just I, there's like some magic in what Zegers can do. Um, I think the magic of McDavid is just that he plays the game like everybody else's three leagues below him, uh, which is insane when you're talking about NHL players. So. I think I'll give Zegers the edge, just like even this, the wizardry last year in the all-star game, if you saw the skills competition breakaway challenge, like it was crazy, um, the stuff he can do. So he's he's got outrageous hands, um, but I think McDavid has other gifts that have made him the best player in the world. Zegers had a nice move in the shootout against uh, the Minnesota Wild the other night, actually. Yeah, I mean, he's he's sick. Like it, if there was like a trick shot competition, he, I just feel like he could do stuff that no one else can do. Two quick ones before we run out of here. M.W. Bauer, 
How long did you work at Wendy's? Was it in Coburg? And how often did you eat at that Wendy's when you worked there? I think I worked there for three years. It was in Coburg. I was actually part of the first um, when they opened the restaurant. Uh, they, they actually had interviews at like the the convention center or, or I mean, it's not convention center, but um, the hotel there. And like, I think like 400 people applied uh, for like 40 jobs. And I was one of them that got the jobs. And I actually had to go to the Peterborough Wendy's to train because our store wasn't open yet. And then was part of opening that store. And so I, I loved working there. It was a great, it was hard to get jobs back then. It was hard to get like low paying jobs, like like low skilled jobs when I was 15. I was 15 years old when I got hired. And I worked basically until I moved to Toronto for university. Uh, I ate a lot of Wendy's at that time because um, I was young and I got 50% off and didn't have a lot of money and it made sense. Um, and it was a great, great experience, but I don't eat a lot of Wendy's these days. I, in fact, I can't remember. It's been years. I don't know when, when I've last had Wendy's. Not because I saw anything that bad or gross, but I just try to avoid fast food as much as I can. Last one for you from Adil Pickle on Discord. Do JM and CJ use Spotify? And if so, what do their top five artist songs look like? So they're asking about our Spotify wrapped. Uh, I don't know if you, you you saw a bunch of those going around, obviously. Yeah, I saw we were on some of people's. Um, I do use Spotify. I'm giving the Christmas pop uh, list a pretty good run these days. Um, Cause I, I like, I like the Christmas time and, there's some good songs on there. Uh, I don't know what mine would have looked like. I don't have it handy uh, right here, but you know, I listened to all kinds of, I'm pretty basic, man. A lot of Taylor Swift. I like a band called the national, um, which is a totally different kind of music, but I listened to a lot of the national. I like the, I like their old stuff and their newer stuff was on there. I listen to tragically hip still every once in a while. I don't know if it made my top five, but I kind of go, I, I range around. Um. Yeah. What I, you? You're probably I cool. did, you're, you're cooler and more more relevant than me, or more normal than me. Uh, I don't know about normal. Like the Nationals, a perfectly fine band. Uh, the Tragically Hip, perfectly fine as well. A lot of people consume Taylor Swift. Um, this year I got a lot of the weekend. The weekend dropped an album this year, uh, Don FM, which I think is like my favorite weekend album, like ever. Um, Burn a Boy. There's a song with Gunna and Drake as well that I liked. Um, in terms of top five artists, I think it's the week. I, I actually literally just pulled it up for myself. Uh, it's the weekend, Drake, Kendrick Lamar, Future, and a band I really like called Tame Impala. Uh, yeah, that's my top five. There we go. Uh, all the he swift for the win. Yes, clearly I don't have T Swift in my top five. You probably would consider your musical habits being. I like. I really like the new album. Oh, really? Is it good? It's growing on me. Yeah. Okay. It was. It was a weird one because, like, the first listen, I wasn't like, "Oh, this is amazing," but then it's like, you know what I mean? It just slowly, like, it just like absorbs into your pores. And anyway, so CJ. You gotta you gotta give us some music reviews too on top of movie <laughs> ones. We'll do one before the end of the year is out. We'll satisfy everybody who wants that. Um, but uh yeah, that's gonna do it for uh episode 115 of the Chris Johnston show. Uh I didn't suck today, you didn't suck today either. I thought we were both really good.
Yeah, we were long. This was a long half an hour pod. Yeah, this is very, very long. I think this might have even gone longer than an hour, actually. But uh, hopefully it was worth it for everyone uh, who listens. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. For CJ, I'm Julian saying so long. Enjoy this great week. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's Sportsbook. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.